Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome to episode 16 of Cravisation. I hope everybody has been enjoying the wonderful weather that we've been having here in the UK. Maybe not elsewhere, but we for once have had glorious, glorious hot, hot days. And that does tie in with my guest, I promise. I'm not just going on about it because I'm British. Or maybe I am really. Well, my guest this week, guys, is uh, my American equivalent. She's my girl. We have had many, many drunk conversations, which led to me thinking she would be bloody, bloody good on my podcast because she has such a fucking interesting life story. Honestly, you are you are not ready for half the things it's kind of she comes out with. Good God. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Oh, I'm so excited. So, as I promised in relation to the weather, please welcome this week's guest, Miss Sunny Holiday, my girl. Now... This is quite a long episode, so stick with us, guys. It was recorded over Skype, so it's a little fuzzy, but uh, she's several thousand miles across the Atlantic, so I think you can let me off, please. Now, as I always say at the end of this little intro, if you want to find me online, you can find me at Cats and Crows, K-A-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. And if you're listening on ACAST today, thank you so very much. You can find out lots of lovely information with the cards that I put up. Um, And yeah, just educate yourself some more. There's so much to learn. However, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please do me a favor. Please, 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 please leave me a lovely five-star review and a little written review as well if you're feeling up to it. If not, that's okay. Five stars is so appreciated. But if you can leave me a review, all it does is help make the podcast more visible, help more people discover Crovisation and spread the good word, really. Spread that girl power. Spread it all over the world. All over your face. (laughs) All right then, guys. I will leave you now to listen to this gloriously, glorious warming episode from my good friend, Sunny Holiday on Crovisation. When I was growing up, all my role models were male. I didn't see anyone I could relate to in the press, online, anywhere. Now, I'm surrounded with the most phenomenal women. They've each endured unique hardships and survived. More than survived, they thrive. But still, women are not equal in the world, not represented in the media, not treated equally online, and still subjected to sexism in everyday life. Alternative women especially are more a hashtag than they are real humans. I want to change that. I want you to see the women I see. I want you to hear them. This is Provisation. 
beautiful humans. So, today on Conversation, I have a wonderful lady who I've been wanting to speak to for so long. She is my American counterpart. You've definitely seen her on stage here with me in the UK. And if you haven't, you're absolutely fucking up because this woman is my favorite. She makes me laugh. She outdrinks me. She's killer. She is Sunny Holiday. Hi, Dios mio. Hi. <laughs> Hey, Hi. Sunny. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm Thank really good. I miss you and I miss Miss Sunny LA. Yes, Sunny LA misses you very, very much. Ooh, so you've only just come off tour, right? How's it been? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a couple weeks, I guess. It feels like it feels longer in some ways. It's yeah. so crazy how time kind of stops a little bit when you're not on the road. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. How long was the tour this time? It was crazy long. It was three months, yeah, wow. which is pretty much the usual, but um, we, I, I was lucky where I got to jump around a little bit, so it, it actually felt like a few little short tours for me, which was really nice. Yeah, it was pretty you came to see me in London. Yeah, that was great. That was like my favorite part about the whole three months was getting to do the week with you guys and, you know, going over there and just having a bunch of babes run that week. That was really fun. I loved it. <laughs> it was crazy there, right? The house. Oh, my God. It was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Is London your favorite place in the whole world? Say yes. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it, you know what? You know why, though? Because it's so it's like the perfect counterpart, which is why I love our friendship to New York. Yes, you know? it is. We really fit in like in either city. So it's just perfect. I agree. <laughs> I love New York. I've got to come visit you for some time. Yeah, no, I absolutely. We definitely need to spend more time there. And but whenever anybody asks me, it's it's a hard question to answer because after traveling everywhere, I'm still such a like proud New Yorker and I love New York. But yeah. I also know that that's because my people are there, you know, like. I think that's normal, um, and the cultural things that I'm used to are there and make me feel at home. And um, but when people ask me like what my favorite city is when I travel, I definitely say London. Yay! I say the same. So I say New York, of course. I love LA and I've been there the most, but New York, I feel like you say, I fit in better. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you you were born in the state of New York, weren't you? You've been like a New Yorker your whole life. Yep, born and raised in New York City. Amazing. So Sunny, basically. Usually on Crovisation, I take people through a subject that is um, close to their heart or something that's quite current politically or socially. Um, but in your case, you're so fucking interesting and you've had such a wild life that I've heard about over <laughs> many drinks <laughs> that I just want to go through your life. <laughs> oh, that, that'll be super fun. <laughs> <laughs> you say that like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. Yeah. You were born. Where were you born? Well, I was born in Washington Heights, which is way uptown in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Lynn Manuel wrote a musical about it. It's called In the Heights. Check it out. Amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, it's kind of cool. He kind of put us on the map in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's um, In the Heights is essentially like a, a neighborhood where a lot of um, people from the Caribbean immigrated to, so my family immigrated to, um, Washington Heights actually from the Dominican Republic. Um, and I actually immediately kind of went to the Dominican Republic after that. So I started school in, um, DR and Spanish was my first language. I didn't speak fully in English really until I was probably like seven or eight. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was my, yeah, definitely Spanish was first, which is funny because now it's, 
So I feel terrible because it feels like a little bit more lost now. I'm definitely still fluent in Spanish, but um, I wish I used it every day. <laughs> oh, I think Spanish is a beautiful language. You're, you're going to have to teach me. I see. Anytime you want, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> so you went back to the Dominican Republic and you had school there. Yeah, and then um, I came back to – my life is crazy, dude. So... <laughs> it really is, and that's why you're here, baby. <laughs> Actually, I feel like I haven't even told you all my things, but it's crazy. So my dad was a, he, my biological father um, screwed up big time. He was super smart, um, entrepreneur, business guy, like um, just, I mean, incredibly intelligent. Um, and he was a few years older than my mother. My mom had me when she was 17. So wow. she, um, when, during this time in the late 80s, um, there was a big, um, it was just, New York City was super drug infested place. Um, it was just super, like crime was at its highest. And my dad was basically like a Al Pacino of like Brooklyn. Wow. Um, and he, there's actually a documentary about him. Um, it's called The 7-5. And it Seven goes, five. and they're wow. trying to make a movie like about, you know, how the, there was such a corrupt system and he was working with a lot of cops like he he had I mean his people were dressed in like like New York City police uniforms like running the drug scene in New York um so when I was little my dad got um like everything blew up so we went from having this huge mansion in the McGarren Republic to having absolutely nothing and just you know we were at our poorest we didn't have anywhere to go, go really um my mom left me in the Dominican Republic with my family after my dad um, told her from one day to the next, like, pack up everything you own and just get out of there. Wow. Luckily, he kept her in the dark a lot of the time. My mom didn't really know everything that was going on. For the best, yeah. And she, she was young and she liked being in the dark about it. But mm -hmm. um, she was also really smart. And after that, she just basically um, risked her whole life for me after that. She went to the States. She went to a bunch of court dates. She got work. Um, and then she brought me back and then I started school again in, um, the States. So then we started a whole new life and my, my true father is, um, she started seeing this New York city detective, complete opposite. Wow. Awesome. Total opposite. Yeah. Like, yeah, really oh, whole. Yeah. So my stepdad, um, pretty essentially brought me up, um, and that was about, yeah, around seven or eight. And that's when I started speaking English more, like, on a daily basis. And then from there we moved. I think I did Catholic school for a couple of years in the Bronx. So, I'll, you know, when people ask me if I'm a real Yankee fan, which I get that every day because um, I wear my Yankee cap. Yeah, you always do. That's, like, your thing. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. I lived by the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> you really are a New Yorker girl. Yeah, so it's a, it's a crazy we we led a crazy life, but um, but we ran away from all the craziness, and um, you know my um, I ended up my my parents moved me a slightly upstate to Middletown, New York. That's where I finished like my school and all that jazz, and then I applied for schools and I got accepted to schools in New York City and in Albany, and I took a big scholarship that brought me to study what I love to do, which was just to. All I wanted to do was perform, so um, I begged them to take me out of Catholic school that had terrible, like, performance programs. Yeah, um, religious, not they, the one. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is fun. I was like, girls, I hate to say that, but it was, it, I remember being terrified, like, in the eighth grade because I, I was like, I cannot go to a, high, a Catholic high school. All I've heard about. <laughs> 
the high school near us was the girls were really easy and I think it, it was a terrible rumor and I'm sure it completely <laughs> like you know the women probably felt completely victimized by it but at the same time like it was just a place where I didn't even want to get like cross that boundary Absolutely, so I yeah I wanted to go so I went to like a more public um high school that was crazy it was like you know it was 400 kids a class it was just um it was a little city almost, but I liked it because it was diverse. I mean, we had everything from, you know, like <laughs> crazy gangs to like goth punk kids yes. and kids. Oh, we in you know I was obviously like nerdy as fuck, so I just definitely was, um, you know, one of the theater kids, and um, but I got along with everybody, and then that kind of made me have high expectations from my university, um, where I thought I could like you know, really, truly find myself the way you're supposed to. And unfortunately, when I went upstate, um, I realized I picked the wrong school because it, I realized I was that experience for other people. And um, I was kind of studying with a bunch of more sheltered um, young adults. Oh, that's a shame. So, yeah, and it, you know, it happens. It, it, yeah. was, it, it was fine otherwise, but it definitely didn't meet my expectations or needs. And, it, and also educationally, like, um, I was kind of treated like um, I was supposed to be a music education major when I really just wanted to focus on being an industry major and yeah. learn how to jazz and learn how to, you know, do like move my body and sing at the same time and like really work out those training skills in order to succeed in a musical theater environment. Yeah, and you need to be really diverse in musical theater, don't you? Yeah, and it was tough because I mean nobody was really able to help me, and they tried, but like they just didn't know. Like I, I, we just you know always fell back on let's try this Italian aria or let's try this French song, and yeah. I mean I loved. I mean that that was part of my training, no matter what, everywhere. But I had already done all those things earlier in my life, and I. I now wanted to learn how to like make my voice grow and really find its style. And I think it's something that is now coming back to me so many years later, because now is when I'm getting opportunities to, you know, actually use these skills that I actually never really properly acquired. Mm. Um, But yeah, so I went to St. Rose for a little while and then I switched and I, I got my first burlesque gig um, and I was going to, I, I lost my scholarship because I, you know, so badly wanted to leave my parents' house that I decided to get my own apartment and I just decided to work four jobs. And I think that became a thing until Suicide Girls. Yeah. Like I, you've always been a hard that, worker as long as I've known you. <laughs> it, it feels weird though. It's like people like, you know, will always see it that way. And I think that's, I mean, that's great for me, you know, like people are like, wow, you work so hard. But in reality, it was a lot of procrastination to, to be doing what I truly wanted to do. Why wasn't I, why was I so afraid of taking a crappy position in a theater or like really immersing myself fully in like the entertainment industry instead of taking all these survival jobs and trying to perform all the time? Like I was constantly behind a bar, constantly... Um, you know, I managed a few retail shops and like, um, I, no matter where I went, I definitely always ended up being a leader and then that would make it harder to leave those survival jobs, you know? um, Yeah. You kind of get trapped. It's, it's really tough. Like I remember getting a really awesome modeling gig in New York and like I 
would go to the city most weekends yeah. to do auditions or casting calls and things like that. And then when it when you actually are offered something, it's terrifying. You know, it's like I finally got this uh, awesome modeling gig. I surpassed this line of tall, lean, beautiful women, and I thought something was must have been wrong. I'm being told to leave. No. <laughs> and, they were going to send me on all these um, calls that day. And they were like, well, we got to send you immediately to this guest audition. Oh, wow. and, to this audition. and I was like, oh, I would. But I, I have to go open up a guest store, actually, up in no. Albany. So you had to miss and, out? Yeah, so I would miss out on these awesome Shit. opportunities, um, which I don't recommend to anybody out there. Don't do that. Take yeah. the risk. You know, especially if you're young and, you know, um, and you don't have a family and you don't, you know, like I was in the position to, you know, put my hands up in the air and do whatever I wanted. And, and I just felt this, you know, very big obligation to stay true to the things that I, I, I I'm such a monogamous even when it comes to work. <laughs> <laughs> so know, what you're saying is, it, yeah, just, just kind of when you're in that position, just throw caution to the wind and do it, even if it might not be right by other people, it's right by yourself. Yeah, and that's what's tough is definitely exactly that because, you know, I would definitely, you know, I'm the worst at making those decisions on my own. So, of course, I immediately would reach out to people. Mm. But the people in my life are the people I've worked with as well, you know. They always have been. And I spent all of my time at work no matter what point in my life I was in. Yeah. So those are the people that I've become the closest to. And... You know, of course, like people are going to be like, man, you like, you know, you can't just like screw everyone over, you know, and disappear. And I never would. And no, you're too good, girl. But but it was tough because, you know, now I definitely like I try to advise people. Otherwise, I'm like, hey, like, you know, there's certain things that you obviously don't give everything up for right on the spot. And you have to be cautious of. But then there's these moments that are so clear. Yeah. And you you know, like, it's just crazy to walk away from. And your friends as well. I think if a moment like that came and you, you spoke to your friends and they really were true friends to you, I think they would advise you to do the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and don't get me wrong. I always had that support. And I was really lucky, especially where I was living at the time. Being up in Albany meant, um, you know, I had a more eclectic group of friends. Now I'm pretty much immersed in the industry and I surround myself with a lot of creatives. Damn right. But there, like, it was definitely, like, I, it was very, um, I, I was very present and I was very, um, like, my, my group of friends was just so diverse. There was, you know, the girls I did burlesque with, they were, were a nurse and a teacher and, oh, you know. Awesome businesses and you know it, they worked in corporate tax they did a bunch of different things so um I was definitely surrounded by very much what everyone likes to call the real world and when they don't want to accept that there's other opportunities out there yeah uh, so because of that I, I had a lot of support where people just thought yes like you need to be doing these things of course you can have today off to go to this audition because I was the only person they knew that was hustling like that yeah it wasn't I was in New York City. Um, I would go to the city to do these auditions because it was so close by, but it wasn't like I was just another um, annoying waitress on the schedule in New York City or in L.A. who's trying to get the day off to go do another typical audition. Like, Yeah, you're slightly removed. Yeah, everybody, you know, would just be like, oh, my gosh. This, every, they always thought, like, this is the one. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. That's so nice you have that support there. That means, like, it means the fucking world to you, especially when you're just starting out, right? 
Yeah, and those people are still 100% there for me. Oh, you know? So and they're in the bar you used to work in, right? In your bar in Albany? Yeah, like, I mean, all over. Um, I still keep in touch with people I worked with at Swarovski. Wow. That worked at um, that I worked with at all of my pubs and clubs. Um, and, um, and obviously the girls that I danced with and, you know, um, when I did burlesque. Yeah. Tell me about those girls. Um, oh my gosh. Those girls are like my, I we're still in a group thread to this day. We're family. I love them. Um, they, um, and they love you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to meet them. I always miss out Albany on the, on the burlesque tour. It sucks. Oh, I know. Oh, it's a, it's it is a bummer. You never know. <laughs> like, it but yeah, so I was um, going to St. Rose, and I lost my scholarship actually because I decided to work all these million jobs. Mm. I failed Spanish class for God's sakes. It was like oh my an God. easy. What? <laughs> I know, and it's like college. You know, it's fucking expensive. Like you're, and I I'm now basically working hours that are gonna be paying for the class that I failed like it's just it was insane crazy I didn't have my priorities straight I was I mean I went to college at 17 so I when I got a job at a club and at a you know restaurant and at a store and I'm trying to finish my full-time classes it didn't really work out so I lost my scholarship however I was convinced that I was going to go right back and everybody was they were like this isn't you know like when you you feel like you're you know you got your Hogwarts acceptance letter when you leave for the university and you are given this opportunity to leave home and experience there's like this sense of freedom and dorming and all these things It, it was really exciting so it's so it feels so strange when you realize that this is real life and after just my first year to like have to sit first first it was like after my first semester I realized like my scholarship wasn't going to cover everything so I was told like you know like it was like my first real adult conversation where I sat with a counselor and they were like um yeah so you can't really afford to finish school this year so you know like you can just come back like you know when you can and you know I I was like a kid I didn't know what that meant I'm like what do you mean yeah should have covered it. You're telling me to pack up my things and go home. Like, I was in tears. I thought I left home for good. Yeah. So that I um called up an aunt of mine, and she somehow helped fix all of it. And she um, co-signed some loans for me. So then I stayed for another six months. Totally screwed that up um, because that's when I got so upset that I was like, I'm going to be working a lot. So anywho, fast forward to the next year. Um, I got my apartment in Albany, um, and I wasn't in school anymore though. So I was just working a lot to keep that apartment up. And I was in this acapella group cause I was in every, um, musical ensemble in school. Amazing. Acapella. Love it. Yeah. And this one was the fun one. The, yeah. I did like math bowls and like, um, like all kinds. It was, it was crazy. Amazing. I did this one all this stuff and then but at night we would have fun and it was like my life was it was pitch perfect it was insane I love it like my <laughs> at the time, boys group and I was in the we were called the girls next door <laughs> <laughs> so um you know I and I had a, a killer like a prayer solo it was very exciting <laughs> <laughs> amazing but I you know I really didn't want to give up 
this part of me that, you know, that was academic and training and all these things. So like I would still compete with these groups and still kind of show up to rehearsals and make pretend I was still in school. And it was, and like the girls knew I wasn't, but like we, you know, they were like, we need you for this competition. Let's just not tell anybody that, you know, and it was crazy risky because they could have gotten disqualified for things. Um, but I remember, I love you. I know it was it was so it was a crazy time um and so I um went to this other competition with them and I remember we were all in like our girls next door t-shirts and I was a little drunk (laughs) and I no I think I was a lot drunk because (laughs) my roommate called me up and she was going to this burlesque show I didn't even know what burlesque like truly was um I was definitely obsessed with that era era of neo burlesque being born and all that jazz but I I didn't 100% know about it so I I didn't know what that meant and what it entailed and she went and she called me up and she was drunk too and (laughs) she hey girl you there's at the show and they're like singing show tunes but in their underwear they're holding auditions tomorrow and like this is just so you like you gotta come you gotta you gotta audition and I was like man girl that'd be cool but like I'm gonna go see Rent tomorrow in New York City and I'm already gonna be hungover in the morning I don't think I'm making that (laughs) she's like no no, no, you have to go and she pushed me to go to this thing and I walked in and I was the youngest one that showed up and I definitely looked jail baitish at the time And I walked in, and I remember this girl was, like, doing this circus performer, was, like, lighting her tits on fire, oh and it, I'd never seen anything like it. that. Ah! And I was like, how is she doing that? <laughs> and but I, you know, they were like, hey, like, you know, we're doing, we're having all these girls, like, you know, you can sing a song, or, you know, um, they, oh, no, they wanted me to sing Big Spender, which is so funny that I didn't know that song at the time. That's so funny. Um, such a weird song not to know, too, especially, like, with the repertoire I was interested in at the time. That that mm. should have definitely been pocket. But it wasn't. I was still learning. Um, and I was really insecure about it. They are like, it's really easy. We're going to teach it to you. I was like, well, I heard that you guys sang Black Velvet last night at your show, and I, w- I would like to sing that. And they were like, oh, they're kind of weird about it. And I was like, no, 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 like, I really want to – I'm comfortable with that song, so I'd rather do that. So these girls kept, like, taking their clothes off. So I went up, and I, like, um, just started singing Black Velvet and removing my top. And it was probably, like, super awkward. Amazing, um, yeah. my, my nipple pops out of my bra, and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because that's been a thing ever since that day. Yeah, my your nipple, nipple always, always escapes all the time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was such a crazy time. Um, but um, yeah, so we so I I did that audition um, and I went to the city. I watched my favorite you know musical in life and. It was a really cool feeling to be walking through New York and get that callback. And oh, so we—I actually I forgot. I did a callback, a dance callback with them. And all these girls were like, imp- like there was an improv, like you know, there was like sixteen bars of like improvising or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I, all these girls, they start being really sexy and like they're on the floor and they're whipping their hair around and 
you know, I just, I literally stopped and was like super awkward and just looked around. And then I just started doing the robot and no I, was, <laughs> I don't know what else to do right now. And so I thought, man, I fucked up this audition a hundred percent. Like there's no way they were going to call me back. And then all of a sudden I get, I'm in New York city and I'm walking through the streets thinking, man, I wish I could, you know, be performing full time. And then I get a call and they're just like, Hey, so you know, that robot moment at auditions. Yeah, that was really awesome. And that's very us. Like, you'd fit right in. Amazing. Um, it'd be really cool if you could come back and do another one. And I was like, oh, what? It was, it was like, really mind-blowing. And I learned later that th- those girls had really struggled with deciding if I should even be in the group because I was so young. And they were only taking girls 25 and over. Oh, yeah, it was it was a whole different group that I joined at the time. I joined a group where I signed um, a contract saying I wouldn't get tattoos or piercings. Wow. Yeah, and it was it was crazy. Um, so, anywho, um, yeah. So that that was the how I got into burlesque, and then after that, um, yeah, we did a lot more shows, and like, I think two shows into that, um, we wrote the aerial number. That I, I do um, for the tour today. Yeah, The Little Mermaid. And, Everyone loves that one. That's my, I think that's my favorite one ever. Uh, it's it's definitely a fun one. And I, I remember just, you know, I'm glad that I got the life that it deserved. Um, I wish Lusty could do it forever, though, because Lusty used to do it in our show. Mm. And she's kind of like, she was kind of like my burlesque mama where she taught me all about like, I, I mean, I just, I wanted to be this girl so bad when, when we started working with her because she was our bombshell. She was, uh, you know, the sexiest, um, girl I had ever seen on a stage. And I remember when I met her at auditions, she was like, all right, let's work on this routine. And she was wearing sweats and she just took them all off and she was just in her panties. And I was like, Whoa. she's fucking off. <laughs> And, you know, I wasn't used to any of that. So it, she, you know, I, I really loved um, working with her. And then, you know, she, the the best thing I've ever learned from her was just comedy. She's just, I've never seen anybody so sexy be so funny. Amazing. So really grateful wow. for that. What an amazing lady. It's so funny how there's always that one person that really kind of ignites that fire within you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very true. And, and I found out later on that, and I remember she was tough with me when we started, and I thought, man, like, you know, it's it's always hard to be the new person. Um, and I found out later on that she actually fought really hard for me to be in that group. Really? You know, I <gasps> was so great. young. She was the one that, you know, and me and you have had this conversation in the past where it's like, you know, sometimes women can, you know, there's this competitiveness that doesn't allow them to let each, they they don't allow each other to shine sometimes. Absolutely. It's a shame. It's really unfortunate. And and it's crazy because in reality, we're all in it. We're here for each other. So you're ruining a relationship and a connection with somebody by limiting them. You're limiting yourself and your future. And, you know, you never know what that could become of that person and your connection with them so it's kind of people act so quickly and harshly and I was I was really grateful that all those girls had my best interest in mind when I auditioned whether it was you're too young you're not ready or 
no, you're really talented, like, we need you here. And that's what I liked about that group of women. They were the first most supportive group I've ever worked with. That's so amazing. And you got that feeling, like, straight away. You knew straight away these girls have got my back. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, like, a lot of it took time to learn, too, because, you know, like, it was one of those things. Like, some of those things were unspoken, and it was just – you know, we just worked, 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 and then, like, a year would go by, and I'd be like, you know, like, this girl fought for you to be in this group, and you'd learn something that you didn't know before, and that was another really awesome thing. People weren't all about taking credit for things. It was, like, they just did things for the right reasons, and it was just, it was a rare, you know, experience to have. I've definitely experienced different things since then, um, which is unfortunate, but it also, I'm grateful for it because it lets me weed through all the bullshit these days. And I know that good people exist, which is why I'm so lucky I found you, Yay. you know, like <laughs> I, I definitely wouldn't be doing the shows that we do today if I didn't feel that support from, you know, some of the women that we work with. So I'm, I'm just grateful that I had that experience early on and, and now not only able to like pass that on, but also like I can tell like what, you know, a selfless, like hardworking, you know, girl is when I see one, you know. <laughs> Completely, <laughs> yeah. And it shines through as well. Whenever I see the girls perform any of the numbers in the Black Desk, it shines through so much that, that they do love each other. Like it's quite obvious when people are trying to outshine each other and when they, they really are just working with each other for each other. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yep. It's very, very true. I love it. So these girls, and they were they were toughening you in their best interest. So I'd say to anyone who's wanting to get into performing or anyone who wants to join a troupe like that, would you say that if there may be bullshit and stuff like that, but stick with it, it's worth it because they probably, they may not show it at first, but they have your best interest at heart. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, I think it's, that's, you know, those things are really clear. So you have to, like, know what you're um, your goals are as well. So if you're just, if you're trying to be a better performer and people are being tough with you and you're at rehearsal, then you should milk all of those moments and stop feeling so insecure and so righteous. And you should, you know, give up the pride and learn how to listen and accept new things, especially when you're new or you're young. Um, you should never feel like you're any better than anybody to this day. Like, I, you know, sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the oldest or I've been doing this the longest. And it's like, actually, I learn something new from all these babes every day. Every day. You know, you, you, you don't always know everything and you're an ever evolving human being and you're going to be that way for the rest of your life. So I think giving up your pride allows you to tell the difference between information that will benefit you and noticing those that are on your side professionally or personally and also remembering that not everybody has to be personally acquainted with you and accepting that some relationships are strictly professional. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously like you can tell like when you're, if you're in a situation where you're not happy or you're in a troop where those things are going on or it's a toxic environment, then you, I think you can tell those things right away. Yeah. You know, I, I was watching this video about ambivalent relationships that was, you know, talking about just bringing up that topic alone. Like if you are losing sleep and your anxiety is killing you because you're so confused about how people in your workplace or your personal life feel about you, then something's wrong on some level. Like, Definitely, yeah. You, you know, it's like you gotta, you have to either confront it or you know, sometimes like toxic people in our lives that are like really terrible, 
they're so obvious. They're right in front of you. You know to avoid them. You know you're not into it. It's actually an easy, healthy thing to walk away from. Completely. And relationships are a lot harder to understand. You know, that's when those are the people that every day you're like, does that person really like me? Am I really happy? And then you'll go crazy and you'll never get anything done. Nope. You have to kind of like step away from those relationships and, you know, to feel a little healthier, you know. I agree. Yeah, it happens even in, I think a lot of people, they assume um, burlesque and all other performing arts that we're obviously very happy on stage. We put our face on stage, but these things do happen behind the scenes as well. Yeah, and that's every work environment, which is another thing I remind people all the time. Mm, I'm like, you know, whenever I have anybody come to me and complain about something minor, which is okay. That's, you know, that's what we're here for as friends. Like, of course. You know, you got to you gotta speak up. You got to express how you're feeling. We can't hide it. But it's crazy because, you know, in, in any performance group I've ever been in or any job, there's always somebody who feels so victimized and they victimize themselves in every situation. And I just want to shake them and be like, okay, well, it, it you have, you really have to take yourself out of it and go, hey, so is this a me pattern or is something wrong because no matter where you are no matter where you work there's always not you're not gonna like every single person not every single person is gonna be easy to work with um life just isn't easy end of story so (laughs) good advice girl (laughs) yeah you just have to decide like how important it is to you if it's a little gig that you're like oh my god this is too stressful and it's taking up a lot of my creative creative energy and potential then yeah that's one thing but if it's something you're learning from and you have like one thing or person or whatever it is or maybe they're not running things the way you think that and you think you know the right answer to everything like maybe that's when you need to start looking in the mirror a little bit more and realize you might be projecting something and you also need to remember that hey there's always going to be that boss or there's always going to be that coworker and it's not it doesn't matter if you're here or um in in this awesome opportunity or in this crappy opportunity or in if I'm working at Swarovski or I'm working behind a bar or I'm in a musical of my dreams I'm pretty sure there's going to be some gay choreographer that knows way more than me and is not shy to let me know and I'm going <laughs> to so embarrassed and victimized every day but when yeah. we get no. But you know, those are things you have to prepare yourself for when you're gonna enter any kind of performance. Absolutely, um, yeah. Getting tough skin is something you gotta do. I'm really looking at yourself in the mirror. I guess fucking great advice, girl. Yeah, but just, I mean, when it comes to burlesque, though, um, one thing I do recommend is you know to do it for yourself. So like any women out there that like are interested in getting into burlesque. Um, I'm obviously speaking more about people that want to, you know, pursue it career rise, but I think that there's a an entire community of women out there who keep or less the women that keep or less alive the most are honestly those that do it in the locally like weekly or monthly Absolutely. and keep alive and they do it as an outlet for themselves and they do it for all the right reasons. And I and when it comes to those troops, then you can definitely be picky about that. Then you can be like, because then that's your outlet. So completely, if it's got to be good for you. Yeah, you know the, all those situations that in your everyday work life. Then of course you can like be like, okay, I'm only gonna do this if 
I into everyone that is in it and all that stuff. Because I do think those things are important. Like your outlet should be your outlet. Completely, completely, girl. You spoke a second ago. Obviously, the local burlesque troops. They are our heroes. You have to support your local girl gang. We fucking love them. We've all been in one. And if you haven't, it's a great place to go. It's a great place to start. But you spoke about being... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Or possibly working with big shows like musicals and stuff like that. Have you ever done anything like that? Um, yeah, I did um, a lot of musical theater when I was in New York. And um, I did... Um, I never got lucky enough to do like anything um, like on on Broadway, but off off Broadway and doing I did like a couple of workshops and I also did um, my my favorite moment ever on stage is when I got to do a couple of runs of Rent. I did it with um, two different companies actually, amazing. Uh, but a lot of the same cast because um, we just got like bought out by another company. Um, and it was really, it was really cool because that was one of my favorite moments. Um, I, th- I think it was the last musical I did, um, uh, which is so sad. Uh, I think that's why I remember it so vividly to this day. But um, it, you know, it was when I finally got a lead in a sh- in a show, um, in a big show, and um, it's just a a show that means a lot to me. So that was cool because I ended up having a review written and I couldn't believe how many nice things this person had to say about me. And now that person is a good friend of mine, which is funny, but, um, so my friend, David Malinkowski, he writes for this newspaper in New York and he wrote a review about it. I didn't realize that he was this Woodstock based guitar player who tours with, the original cast of Rent. No way. Um, 
yeah, now that now that all those guys are doing like their own thing and doing their own tours, he was touring with a couple of the guys. So he got the guys to come to Albany and do a show for us. Amazing. Easy. And um and yeah, and I got a bunch of really cool things um to do. Uh, I I got like a bunch of awesome opportunities to meet some of like the sweetest, most talented people after that. Like I went to like Village Voice Awards and um you know, I met Lynn Manuel Miranda right before auditioning for In the Heights and getting called back for that, which was crazy. Um, and, which is, an, you know, another dream musical of mine, which is regarding like, you know, my neighborhood that I grew up in. So cool. Uh, which actually, I recently met um, Mandy Gonzalez, who um, starred in that original cast with Lynn Manuel when he first erupted, and. Um, uh, I went to go see Hamilton. Um, no way. Uh, yeah. Um, I went with Scott. So I went with Scott Bradley to um, New York. And which trip was that? I think that was that was the same trip he had a show. Yeah. He had a show with Postmodern Jukebox. And we went um, the day after, I believe it was. And we went to go see Hamilton. And it was amazing of course and wow. um you recommend this everyone obviously oh my god of course I yes. knew it would be amazing I, I honestly I mean I just it was kind of weird that I wasn't shocked by it because I think because I'm, I'm such an early Lin-Manuel Miranda fan that I already knew what it was gonna look like I knew what it was gonna be I already knew this that you know all the songs so I was like it, it was just really awesome to see it's like thriving you know and um, I can't wait to see it I'm, I'm no, I can't wait for you to see it it's Ooh. so badass and um you know we the show ended and like you know Scott doesn't usually do things like that like uh, you know sitting through a whole musical I was like shocked um, <laughs> that was really nice and I just thought like we got to get him out of here we got to get some food or something I was like wow that was awesome let's go get some food and he's like um, we have to wait. And I was like, what do you mean? And I, Mandy Gonzalez was meeting us on the stage, <gasps> giving us four no. and just hanging out with us and took us out for drinks afterwards and food. And she did a video with them actually. Um, but yeah, she's awesome. So I actually, um, I really, she, it's got, it's so funny cause I'm, she's one of my heroes, of Latina course. heroes. I love it. That's she, so amazing to hear a woman in a high up position. Yeah, and not just that, but she was so, like, I mean, this woman um, is super fearless, and oh, actually, I just, that's hilarious that I just said that, because Fearless is her new album that just came out. Amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love her already. <laughs> I, you know, I get really, I do get insecure about that. You know, I, I wonder, is there any chance that I could ever even pursue anything like that again after being so incredibly naked in the world all the time? <laughs> Uh, and of course, when other girls come to me and ask advice about it, I tell them they can do anything they want. You know, we live in a whole different world now. But with that being said, of course, I, I sometimes I go, there's no way. Like, though, they, the way they cast people for those things, like they, the background check is so intense, and there's no way they would let me on a stage. Oh, that's such a shame. Well, that's what I think. And then I sit there with somebody like Mandy, and she's like, 
she, and it was just really cute of her to say this. She's like, you should audition for Hamilton. But, I mean, you're so busy. You're doing so many awesome things with your burlesque and stuff. Like, I totally understand if you don't have time. And I'm like, girl, are you crazy? Oh, girl, I would go there any day. <laughs> don't you dare talk to me like that. <laughs> that was, like, really – but it was so empowering to have her say something like that. Like, you know, just, you know, not really knowing me that well and just kind of reminding me that, hey, you know, like – if this is what you're interested in, like you, you'd be perfect for it. Why don't you do that? And, oh, that's such a um, feeling. You know, and asking, you know, about coming to see your show. And I get that a lot from like some really talented women I meet. And it's really cool that they actually really um, respect and admire what we do and are so into kind of like putting down the, you know, the kids or the, the job or what they are doing for the night and just be like, actually, I really want to go see like women, like enjoy their bodies. Yes. Fuck. Yes. I'm so into this. (laughs) Uh, But, but the world of Broadway, like definitely like it's something that I miss and I love, but now I'm trying to find a way to kind of bring it back into my life um, and immerse it with, you know, who I clearly am, you know, definitely girl. But you know what? I remember you speaking, you've told me one time, that you haven't always been doing musical theater and burlesque, et cetera. You went into politics once, didn't you? Yeah, and actually, that's right after I did Rent, I um, got cast in Hairspray, and I was one of the dynamites, and I was <gasps> so cool. very excited. I mean, I was like, I get to live my Diva Supreme's life. <laughs> And so I, I mean, in that era, it makes me so happy. Like, it's just the music of the 50s and 60s. It's just something that is that's definitely my thing. And everyone who knows me knows that that's my playlist. Um, <laughs> but I, I went in and I remember starting rehearsals. And my voice was just like not having it. And it was really weird. And um, I don't know, I just thought, you know, I was sick or something. And, then you know a couple more weeks go by and I mean it was getting to the point where it was like we were three weeks into rehearsals and I wasn't able to hit any of my notes and my voice was super hoarse I ended up going to and nobody was concerned um that part was practically handed to me for change that never happens amazing Um, but it was because um the director had seen me do rent and they were like oh we'd really like to have you you know in this show so when I came to them concerned and was like embarrassed, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on. Like they were like, Oh my God, we, we, we know your voice. It's okay. You're going to be fine. It's, you know, we're not worried about it. Like just keep memorizing the harmonies. I'm like, all right. Which was so frustrating. Cause there's nothing more frustrating than memorizing a singing part that you haven't been able to actually sing yeah, out loud. Of course. That's like, like your life. Yeah. You know? And like not like everyone's like practicing and you're like I can't move but I will keep watching (laughs) (laughs) so it was really frustrating and I ended up going to an ENT finding out that I had notes and I had completely strained and injured my vocal cords during my two mostly due to you know being you know directed by somebody who didn't wasn't forgiving about you know, going full out every day and didn't understand what it meant to rest. And, you know, I thought I was getting this hardcore training, but in reality I was being injured. So repeatedly. And it's to this day has affected my voice, you know, like I have to be careful. So my range isn't what it used to be. I'd no longer sing Italian arias or anything like that. That's so sad. 
Yeah, it really blows. And, you know, I, I was kind of a baby about it for a long time. Like, I mean, I wasn't singing. I All this stuff happened. But, um, you know, over the years, friends finally shook me and were like, hey, did you ever think about starting to sing new songs? Because, like, I, w- I was so sad that I couldn't do, like, my favorite audition tunes anymore or my favorite covers or sing my favorite songs. They were like, well, time to start thinking about new stuff, you know? Like, yeah to adapt to this new voice and so yeah that's been my life actually the last five years <laughs> was getting used to my new voice oh wow girl so um after that um I actually had been called in to do a um I had done this that's I remember when there was when Haiti had that entire um like tsunami and all this other stuff happened Terrible. Um, and it was, yeah. it was, it was awful. So we did, um, I was, I wasn't, I was going back to school actually when I did rent, I went back again. I found another university that where I ended up getting this full scholarship after one year there. Um, Amazing. Well done. yeah, I was really happy. I just, you know, there's so many scholarships out there. I hate to sound like, uh, you know, like a PBS special, but I'm like, kids, <laughs> Apply for the damn scholarships because there's so many out there. You could get a scholarship for having blue eyes. My scholarship <laughs> all my life story actually, which is really funny. I love that it. we're talking about it. Um, but you know, and it was just about like the hustle and the bustle. And I was a non-traditional student, so I, you know, was going to school with people that were younger than me. And but I was really focused about what I wanted now, and I was I wasn't gonna fuck it up this time. So um, <laughs> I did this Haiti fundraiser. I was president of our, like, Black and Latino club or something. Amazing. And well done, girl. That's so fucking cool. So, there's so many random things that we did. Um, <laughs> my whole life, it's so nuts. But we, yeah, we I, we did that, and, and then through that club, I got to also do, um, organize this thing um, that we did in Albany and in Troy. Or actually, no, it was Schenectady. And we... Uh, got together a bunch of like inner city school, like junior high school girls, and we gave them like the fanciest day they've ever had. Amazing. And these girls come from like the you know the poorest town in uh, the capital region, and they they like witnessed like some like a very violent climate every day. That's so. so we, you know, and it was tough because, like, they're sassy. And, like, the whole point of the workshop is to talk about how women can support one another and, like, just put a stop to, like, the gossiping and the fighting over boys mm. and support each other and, like, how to learn how to mediate, you know, problems and things like that. So um, that being on being part of that planning board got me an award and I got, like, this recognition in the town which was nuts like I did not expect that like it was like they award three Latinos a year and usually politicians or but there's usually a rising star award um for a younger Latino or Latina in the community who's making a change so I got that award well done that's fucking amazing it was a crazy time. I was like, I thought my whole life was going to be different because I was like, I'm never, I'm not going to, I'm never showing my boobies again. Um, <laughs> so I, um, after that, I um, got recommended to do a, an internship 
um, I guess, which is crazy because SUNY is full of Latinas. So I don't know what happened, but (laughs) I got this call from this advisor that met me through both of those things and was like, hey, I'm kind of screwed right now. I was called and asked to fill this position at the New York State Assembly and Senate for the summer. Um, And they're looking for a Latina up and coming in the community who, um, we, you know, we think could do, you know, we're trying to teach more Latinas about politics because there's not enough female, um, Latina politicians. And so we're trying to bring awareness to that. And therefore we're just trying to get more Latina women interested and realize that this is a possible career choice for them. With that being said, are you interested in coming in and just doing this internship? And I was like, um, absolutely. Like, you know, I was looking for, I wanted to do something other than bartend all summer, and um, I wasn't doing as many burlesque shows at the moment. So, notice how I said as many, I never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I went and I did the internship, and it was for the New York State Puerto Rican and Hispanic Task Force, and... It was um, it was a great experience. I worked under um, Assemblyman Felix Ortiz, and um, it was during a time of you know when you know. Sorry, my <laughs> my mind is a mess. <laughs> it was um, the Equal Marriage like bill passed. Oh yeah. So it was crazy exciting time and it was a really interesting experience because I couldn't believe the meetings I was sitting in on and you know writing press releases about and it was the we the task force essentially what it did was um you we gathered all of the assemblymen um assemblywomen and senators of New York who were specifically Latinos um and then what we did was we talk to them about what the Latino concerns were in the state at the time and brought in people that, I mean, the things I was hearing were crazy. Like it was a woman came in and was, it was like, I was watching politicians learn things for the first time that were like extremely shocking. Like the fact that people were just being taken off the streets illegally because maybe they looked Mexican and didn't have an ID on them and that going missing for weeks and that, um, our officers were doing things that weren't exactly legal. And at the same time, it was just because our legislation wasn't clear enough, which of is course. what that's, which is why legislation is ever evolving and people need to yeah, vote. It's still a problem and, now. And that's why, you know, and, and actually that's another reason why I got that job was because I had been doing a lot of advocacy for education. So they were like, you seem like you'd want to fight for something. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Again, well, girl. Like, Piss me off about something I'm gonna want to fight for it <laughs> you're a fire lady <laughs> so yeah so it was it was kind of sad and crazy to like you know witness those things but it felt really empowering to realize that that's all it takes you know like you have to speak up and I it, it made me very aware and it motivated me to make my friends and family aware and the, you know the entire population about speaking up about anything, you know, and like, and nowadays, like, yeah, like, you can advocate through your phone, and you can tweet this and retweet that. And, and yeah, it helps to share things. But at the same time, like, you need to be active. And people aren't active enough these days. It's too easy to use Twitter rather than, you know, 
be like even what you're doing is so active like you speak about a lot of important topics but you're actively doing it and you're actually starting a conversation and that's oh, what I love about podcast. that's what and I'm doing that, here that's what we're doing right now yeah and that's what's active you know that's that's taking a step forward um rather than retweeting something or you know it, like I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this because you're somebody every time we speak I always feel like you should have a megaphone to the world you know so <laughs> glad that that's kind of what's happening now you know Thanks, girl. yeah I try honestly and that's what we're saying it's it's hard to get started as well I suppose that's why I started doing the podcast because I I want to lay it out to people I want to give people advice so if you were to I don't know if you were to give someone a direction to head in to start opening their mind up with this kind of thing where would you point them Wait, say that one more time. Sorry, that was muffled for some reason. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm, I am literally thousands of miles across the Atlantic from you. <laughs> so if, obviously now we're talking, we're talking about all this and it, it, is, it is hard to, for some people to understand these things. So where, if somebody wanted to open their mind or begin to open their mind, where would you point them? Oh, well, that's the thing. Like it's nowadays, um, when it's it's hard to know where to look because you know everything's about alternative facts and and there's so many opinions out there you know so I think in general like you just need to start listening all around and stop listening to one opinion and stop listening to one news station you Mm. know um those things can become very biased I think there's just so much information out there how can you even decide how you feel or what your beliefs are if you're constantly just getting information from one source so to me there's not even a right place to get more information or like become more aware or teach yourself more about these things I think like you just have to be really open about it um and that means looking at and, and also speaking to people in person, like that's another thing. Like start those so conversations. Important. Yeah. Start those conversations with the people you don't agree with too. You know, there's so people like only want to talk with the person that makes them, you know, makes them feel correct. So it's so easy when I, if I'm upset, like even just with personal things, if I'm upset with this person and both me and you know them, but you know, I feel like me and you totally get each other. So I'm going to call you up and rant to you about all these things. And then I'm only going to hear what I want to hear, you know, as opposed to actually approaching the person or maybe even someone who isn't, doesn't always make me feel totally right or, you know, liked or whatever. And kind of just trying to hear other opinions I think like that's another, that's the thing about politics that's hard the conversation kind of has always ended like on a news station that's super biased and there's so much more information out in the world which yeah. actually your news is way more worldly so I I'm, I envy that <laughs> you know? it is in a way but I'm, I'm guilty of it as well I think when we had the last general election here in the UK I was absolutely convinced that um, the party I'm a member of, the Labour Party, which is the uh, left-wing party, I was convinced they were going to win. But that's because I only would listen to left-wing people. I would only view left-wing news. I would only follow left-wing Facebook pages. So I totally missed out on the other side. And boy, was I wrong. Yep. And I mean, it's crazy that we both went through that at such a similar time. It's, it was, it's insane. But that's what happens, you know? So mm. now we're we all got a big wake-up call this you know, these last few years, for sure. Oh, my girl, you know. <laughs> we got to stick together. got to stick to our girl gangs. And speaking of girl gangs, current day, 
the Black Art Burlesque. That's what you're doing now, isn't it? That's your work now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I, and I love it. Actually, after I left um, the Assembly and Senate, I actually started working for a lobbying firm. Um, and I ended up, uh, you know, managing that office for a while and almost like started thinking about becoming like this legal assistant that would essentially like want to study to be partner someday. I almost went back to school for political science, which is great. Such a different course. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it just got to a point where I kind of faced a lot of the same obstacles that I faced, um, you know, in any other you know, anything else. So that's kind of what made me kind of fearless to go into what I actually wanted to do. I just, you know, I, I did deal with sexism and things like that, not from my like bosses directly or anything like that. Um, I, I worked for an awesome dude who like was the first Latino, um, lobbyist. Amazing. Um, well done. Fuck yes. New York like you know I was super excited to work for this guy and I learned a lot from him he was amazing um and I worked with some other really you know amazing men in that industry and what was sad about it was that I really want to learn more about the women that were like senators and all these things and I wanted to you know so I was just getting to that point of like you know getting to know all the all the women that worked for the senate and then it it was just a crazy situation where you know, my, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm, I'm putting this out into the public. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's true. Um, and it's sad. And I just, it's because I just want to let women know that like, they don't have to do this to each other and they certainly don't have to deal with it. Um, but I, you know, when I left the assembly and Senate, it was like, I couldn't be anywhere. I couldn't be an attractive woman working anywhere. I, when I was there, some dude, I think he liked me and didn't want me to know that. So some other dude inappropriately dropped off flowers at my desk. What? And and yeah, like extremely fucking rude and, and work. Inappropriate. That's a work environment. A work environment, like so. And the worst thing is that people take it out on you. You know, you. Exactly. I'm t- I, I was treated uh, like it was just such a misogynistic fucking situation. Yeah. Um, and. You know, I had this guy like get really upset about it and reprimand me. And I remember, and I quote him saying, "You fuck whoever you want, just don't bring it to the office." Oh my god! And shut up. I was so appalled, so appalled. But it was fine because I ended up getting an awesome opportunity at the lobbying firm, and I was like, "I'm gonna be treated really well here." And then it was so funny because my boss's wife um, was just super, you know just untrusting of him and oh, like it's a shame. and it came from a very insecure place because he I I mean I spent every hour that she didn't with him which is of course why she felt that way of course. um but I watched what he did and it was sad you know because you know he would be just working all day with these other guys and like you could tell they were like the kind of guys that like were just trying to find more and more work to do because they're just so afraid of going home and being like cubby and dad and like all these things and um they're golfing or drinking and like and just or working and then ended up working late and all this stuff and um they were just dudes man you know and they were like even though they were screwing up like these little things they were good guys who like were like really like love their wives love their daughters 
just you know sometimes men don't know exactly how they to need handle to be educated it. too right men need feminism as well so true <laughs> so like you know like I remember being a group of all of the administrative assistants and we'd be like, we got to get, you know, did you get him home? Yeah, I'm making sure this one gets home because this is crazy. you guys are too good. You know, and we would be looking out for like the families and stuff and they, oh my God, they loved their families so much. And I remember one day this woman just kind of pulled up behind us, like while I'm getting my girlfriend dinner, my girlfriend. Yeah. Like I pulled up to a sushi place and after we had a long meeting and we talked about me becoming partner and all this stuff. And it was an exciting wow. day Amazing. and I went to pick up food for her cause she was sick or something. Aww. And my, I was telling my boss he needed to go home and I was putting him in his car with his driver at the time to get home to dinner. And his wife pulls up behind us and rolls down the window and like their child is in the back seat, And she's like, Hey, look, this is what your dad prefers to do on a Friday night. <gasps> no, come on, girl. I, was, I know. It was so, And, you know, I felt so bad for her because, you know, some women, like, really do drive themselves to that point of crazy, too. Like, and it's because maybe, you know, your husband sucks at communication. He probably doesn't realize that you need more than I'm just working or whatever the case may be. Um, so clearly they had their own issues in communication breakdowns and things for like sure. that. But taking out uh, another woman would help. You need to... Yeah, it was I, It was pretty awful. She wanted me out after that, and I think she was dangling, like, um, his kid um, in his face, and it was really um, upsetting and messed up, and I, you know, he was like, I'm going to have to pay you to, like, leave this firm, which is insane. Wow. And I was really upset, and um, I definitely made sure, like, that was a public thing, and I, I wanted other women to understand that, hey, this is why I left, and it has nothing to do with anything other than another woman, like, completely disempowered me from an amazing opportunity because of, you know, whatever's going on at home with her relationship, and I felt so devastated because I actually thought, like, I was worth this new life, and you know what? Fuck it. It was an awesome wake-up call. I realized from then on I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I wanted to go back to empowering women in whatever way I could. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I, I would never look back, you know, it's, and I, I, and I don't speak ill of any of those people. I just felt like they were, whatever they were going through, like really fogged their judgment. Completely, yeah. And, Why didn't she just sit down and have a conversation with you? You could have told her what's up. Yeah. And I, I actually really wanted to do that. But at that point I was like, I was really thankful, you know, like I was like, I, I, if I would have done that, I would have just done that for her really, you know? Yeah. Um, I was at a point of just being like, you know what, this isn't my business. And, um, and, and I was recommended to a million other jobs. I actually was going to work for the Senate directly after that. Wow. I did not want to do it. No. I, going on these interviews and I just thought I'm not happy anymore like I was excited about working for like these Latino firms and like things that mattered in my community and working on the Latino Commission on AIDS um, accounts and things like that but this was a little different and it's kind of funny because that day that all that happened the real reason my boss didn't want to go home and talking all night was because he had just gone to this Latino Commission on AIDS meeting that I was supposed to go on. And it's um, Rosario Dawson is the president of that. And she's 
fucking amazing and badass, like, and very, very immersed in politics. And she um, is really close to him. And they're, like, so, of course, he's always, like, so googly-eyed over, like, this, like, (laughs) nefant celebrity of a woman. He's like, oh, my God, Rosario Dawson was so awesome last night. And she kept telling me about all the stuff from the meeting and listing all the new ideas. And he was just so excited about all the new things that they were going to be working on. And that's really why he was running late. And um, it's just funny how things work out full circle at some point because then, you know, fast forward a year later, I end up, you know, doing the Suicide Girls Black Heart Burlesque, wow. working this city event at Comic-Con and meeting Rosario Dawson and going, hey, you know Alfredo Vidal? <laughs> no <laughs> way. You saw him or her? Yeah, her, yeah. Yeah, it was, sorry, yeah. And we got, like, you know, we got chatting about, like, all that stuff and it's just so funny now. Oh, my God, that's so amazing. What did she think? She saw the show? Um, no, no, no. She didn't see the show. We were working um, a Sin City premiere for her movie. Amazing. So, um, you know, they used the Suicide Girls as um, to promote during that, which was really, really cool. We were so excited. That's so cool. So, I love how that comes in a complete circle. Yeah. Everything links up in your life. Yeah, it's so it's so nuts. But yeah, like, you know, and I mean, and like you said, you know, I ended up doing the doing Suicide Girls and um, and we talk about that story all the time. Like r- within that year, like I went back full time burlesque, started teaching burlesque classes. Um, my girls and I had a ex- like a really sweet, awesome, successful um, burlesque school at the time that um, was called um, the Diamond Street Dames after the Diamond Street um, in Hudson, New York. And we started doing all these like super um, female empowering classes and. Um, women started coming to our classes in yoga pants because they thought it was a workout class. And by the end, <laughs> like, panties. And yes. they were, needed that day of the week for themselves because they never did that for themselves. And they, they, we started off the class saying, hey, if you want to be part of, like, this, you know, end of the course show, you know, you're welcome to. But if not, like, it's cool. And, of course, like, most of them weren't into that. They were here for personal reasons. Yeah. By the end of it, everyone wanted to be in the show. Really? Huge production. We made calendars of the girls. We did um, photo workshops with Katie, who you met, of YTK Photography. Mm. Um, And I remember that last week of rehearsals, we were getting ready for a holiday show. And I said, oh, you know, I... Um, if you, if anybody wants to come with me, because I want to give you guys the opportunity to experience these things in person as well, I'm going to go see the Black Heart Burlesque perform mm. in New York um, this weekend or whatever it was. Ah. <laughs> I go, but I got tickets for all of my friends in the city to come to the show. And I forced everyone to go, and like <laughs> I, did, I forced them. I was like, okay, so you're committing to this, right? Because like I'm buying these tickets, and like you. <laughs> like it's not I'm not wasting this and we got together and we went to the show and um a week before that we had gone to a show at um god what's the name of that place it's gonna kill me I'll think of it later but it there was there's a my favorite little I don't know why I can't think of the name right now it's so weird <laughs> my favorite little burlesque bar in New York and I had gotten on stage and taken my top off or something <laughs> So, like, I'll fast forward another week, and we're at another burlesque show, but this one's bigger and awesome, and, you know, Rebecca Crowe is starring in it. Yeah. And, 
thing. And, you know, I had seen all these girls on Showtime and I loved SG for so many years. And it was honestly kind of mind blowing to just see it in person for the first time. Like this is, you guys had always felt so, I mean, it's just like any, anything else for me, you guys are my, my celebrities. Like I had never met one of you guys in person and really cool to like see these girls up close and see how um like crazy beautiful they are up close and talented and um and then you know you took advantage of my drunk booty and made <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely fucking did that was so much of a fun tour and you know what the New York date the show there will always stay with me like we did so many dates we did uh, I think it was 10 weeks um but yeah New York will stay with me forever because of you and everyone always talks about you <laughs> the crazy drunk bitch that was, that was such a crazy like oh my god I have that video too and it's so nuts because <laughs> yeah I I was just having fun and um my friends were there and I was like being silly for them really and I was like this crowd I mean I was it was not about the crowd at all like they were gonna be so unimpressed because they had just watched all these awesome girls dance and then after the show people were coming up to me at Coachek and they're like oh my god thank you for getting naked and I was like I had never <laughs> like super forward and like I, I and then I realized like after doing so many shows with you guys why people say that you know it's not some pervy comment it's empowering it's not, isn't it so, yeah it's about being so body confident and all that yeah people like you know they I, the women identify with um there's so many different women in the show that nobody's the same and no woman is the same as any other woman so it's kind of cool for women to also kind of find someone to connect with on stage and go well I have that same butt and I don't I never appreciated it before and like suddenly like now I don't mind it as much and men the same thing they're so grateful to see like men are actually into real women believe it or not society know, like right exactly are. and I and I I know that for a fact because I see it every day and they're not into the photoshopped version of you they're not into the girl on the f- cover of the magazine yeah at some level but like in reality like i that's not that's not what true beauty is and that's definitely not what anyone's looking for and that shouldn't be what anybody's looking to be so i was really really grateful to like um experience that repeatedly after that one night it's so good isn't it like every single time i do a show or host a show and the women i meet before afterwards even the men i meet just it leaves me with such a good feeling I don't think I've ever come away from a show feeling sad or negative yeah I'm so glad I fucking met you girl we're actually out of time now but good god I'm so grateful to have you in my life (laughs) I gotta see you sometime soon are you gonna sing me a song sing me a song Sunny (laughs) for good times and boobies no I'm just kidding (laughs) Oh, girl, thank you so much. Talking to you has been a fucking blast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. You um, really, you know, um, you you educate people daily, and I love that about you. And sometimes it'll just be just, you could be hammered just talking about anything real in life or just being yourself. I love that um, you are such an awesome leader in our community over there because, I, I couldn't see it any other way. Like it, it needs to be. You're, you're my spirit animal. I love Aww, you. Oh, girl, you're making me blush. <laughs> you really are my transatlantic um, doppelganger, I guess. Not physically, but uh, definitely in the brain. I love it. 
<laughs> Sunny, so obviously you have a big social media presence. Where can we find you online? Um, anywhere you look, all you have to do is look up Miss Sunny Holiday. So it's M-I-S-S-S-U-N-N-Y Holiday. Fabulous. I think on Twitter there's one S missing, but you'll find it. Just look up Miss Sunny Holiday. You'll, <laughs> you'll know when you see her, absolutely. And uh, have you got any shows coming up or anything soon? Um, At the moment, I'm like, actually, what do I have coming up? I, oh, we have Comic-Con coming up. Um, so, yeah, so if you're going to go to the San Diego Comic-Con, um, that's a really good one to catch. Um, so we'll be doing that very soon. Um. Yeah, I think that's about it. I think there's a Feathers and Four Play show the end of next month as well. And I think that's about it now. Oh, and I forgot Anime Burlesque. Um, When is that? That will be, if I can look up Mr. Kent Caliber's message to me, July 7th at Club Bar Sinister. I'll be doing a little cowboy bebop for, for all the kids out there. You know? Oh, my God. That sounds so nerdy and so amazing. I love how nerdy you are. You're so good. <laughs> Anyway, Sunny, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for sharing your story. I know a lot of girls out there are going to relate to you and they're really going to feel so fucking happy to just listen to your gorgeous voice and also learn all about you. Thank you. Thank you. This was so fun. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, Queen. Take care of yourself, yeah? Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.